1: a fantasy question? Email baseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now here's Frank, Scott, and Chris.
0: If you wanted home runs, we got a bunch of them on Tuesday. Welcome into Fantasy Baseball today on Wednesday, May 25th. Frank Sanville joined by Scott White today on the show. Pitcher regression, lots of double dongs, the drop-o-meter, and much more. But before that, Scott, I have a little question for you. Are you ready? I think so. Okay. I don't know what's coming. Do you feel like they're sneaking some juicy balls back in there? Because, I don't know, man. It just seems like fly balls that were not flying out a couple of weeks ago, they're just traveling a little bit further now.
1: Hmm. It's a conspiracy theory, but. It's, I mean, (laughs) certainly couldn't put certainly couldn't put it past them, right? Uh, the, the home run to fly ball rate has improved more from April to May than I thought it would. So, I mean, it's still not back to last year's levels, but it's improved more than I thought it would, which, you know, that there was the idea out there that the change would be more drastic between the cold months and the warm months because of the humidor and, and the humidor used in more humid settings would actually make the ball uh, more springy. Would it would help it, you know, travel farther in 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 the more in the more humid settings? So maybe that's what's happening. But yeah, again, we we couldn't put it past the mixing in old balls either.
0: It would not surprise me one bit, you know, getting this negative publicity about offense being down and constantly changing the ball. All right, let's just change the ball again. Again, I don't have any inside sources or anything. I'm just kind of making this up as I go along, but I don't know. We'll see how it plays out for the coming months, but I don't know. seems like offense is kind of coming around again. Anyway, take it away, Susan.
1: Oh my goodness
0: gracious! Speaking of those home runs and regression... Scott, why don't you kick us off? Oh, my goodness gracious, from Tuesday.
1: Yeah, I'll kick us off with Zachary Gallon, Zach Gallon of the Diamondbacks, who entered Tuesday with a 114 ERA. And then came the regression against the Royals of all teams. He gave up six earned runs in five and a third innings. Now... It was inevitable that he would regress. he wasn't going to have a one fourteen ERA even after this start. It's up to two twenty two. So you know you you look at the the xFIP at three sixty one, and yeah, I mean he 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 had been pitching over his head, but he'd been pitching well. I'm not going to take anything away from him. He'd been pitching much better than I thought he was going to, given the way his swinging strike rate uh, cratered with the elbow. Injury. Once he returned from the elbow injury last year, Um, there is a discrepancy—a pretty big discrepancy—between his xFIP and his FIP. I mentioned the xFIP three sixty one. The FIP is only two seventy seven. And to remind you of the difference, FIP uh, gives you gives an estimate of ERA based on strikeout, walk, and home run rates. xFIP does based on strikeout, walk, and fly ball rates. And I had taken to citing X fit more during the juice ball era, when it seemed like any ball put in the air had a chance to get out. But if we are past that era and the hitting a ball in the air, isn't in itself a bad thing for a pitcher, putting a ball in the air isn't in itself a bad thing for a pitcher. It it actually could be a good thing if it's not a high quality fly ball. Uh, Maybe it is start time to start emphasizing FIP instead of XFIP again. That's something I've been thinking about. I'm not totally sure I'm there, but I'm considering it.
0: I saw you tweeting about that too on Tuesday, Scott, and my retort would be, why not use Sierra? And Sierra is something that I've kind of used more the past couple of years. It kind of just takes XFIP and FIP, and it adds another element, and that is balls in play. So Sierra kind of assumes that Pitchers have control over balls in play, whereas if they're throwing a bunch of sinkers, they're trying to get ground balls, so on and so forth. So it takes quality of contact, well, not quality of contact, but the type of contact that you're allowing, fly balls, ground balls, line drives, and it kind of works that into the FIP and XFIP equation as well. And that's how you get Sierra. So why not use that, I guess would be my question.
1: I, I'm not sure that I understand the methodology behind Sierra to vouch for it. Like they're usually pretty close. XFIP and Sierra, especially, are usually pretty close.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I feel like, you know, XERA might be an even better version of Sierra at this point. But you know, there's there's not a huge difference between them. I, I think I think FIP is probably the purest of the ERA estimators, and it just it just didn't make sense to use it anymore during the uh, juice ball era because. As I said, like seemingly anything put in the air had the potential to be a home run, so a, a pitcher may have had good home run luck up to that point that would make his FIP seem better than it should be, which is why I was emphasizing xFIP instead.
0: Mm-hmm. And why do we see that big discrepancy between the the FIP and the xFIP for Zach Allen? Is that his home run to fly ball ratio entering Tuesday was just 2.5% for his career. That's 12.6%. And he's allowing more fly balls this year than ever before. So based on what Scott was saying, uh, allowing more fly balls, that XFIP is assuming that more of those are going to go out as home runs. And who knows? Maybe as the weather continues to heat up, we will see more of those balls go out for Zach Allen, and he'll start to clomb, uh, climb closer to that XFIP. Hopefully, it, we yeah. did a good job explaining this because I understand how it can be very, very confusing. But basically, well, those ERA... Estimators are are there to kind of show you a a true skill of what a pitcher has done to this point.
1: And I I kind of didn't even mention really the fantasy angle, just that I had seen some people inflating Gallon's value based on that microscopic ERA he's had so far. And yes, he's pitched better than I thought he would. I, I moved him into my top 30 among starting pitchers after he began the year like around 60th for me. But like the... The, the the numbers didn't back up him dominating to quite that extent. So this is a reminder that he's probably more like a number three pitcher in fantasy than the number one he, he might have been performing like up to this point.
0: All right. Yes. And again, Scott has Zach Allen at SP-29. I've got him down at SP-35, which seems like the right range. He's pitched very well, but obviously they're still... Injury risk kind of underlying there for Zach Allen as well. A couple other pitchers got, got hit with a bunch of regression on Tuesday. Dylan Seasman, absolutely crushed by the Red Sox. He gives up seven earned runs over three innings, two home runs allowed, nine hard hits. Negative 11 fantasy points on CBS, a 21 ERA in the start. Chris Bassett was the other one, destroyed at the Giants. He gave up eight runs on eight hits, three walks, three homers allowed, over four and a third innings. He had an ERA over 16 in this one. Uh, Looks like he could. He was in line for the loss before, but the Mets have furiously come back and have taken the lead. So no loss there for Chris Bassett. Uh, Anything to actually be worried about here, Scott, with Cease and Chris Bassett?
1: So, Cease's ERA jumped from 309 to 424 with this outing. However, his ex FIP is only 274. And contrasting it with Gallen, his FIP is also 274. So, you know, he's been one of the best swing and miss pitchers in the game this year. I think Cease is, is going to have it as his ups and downs because of efficiency and walk issues, but I don't think he's going to get knocked around very often like like happened to get the Red Sox in this one. And Bassett might be a little more concerning. So this is two bad starts in a row for him. His ERA has jumped from 234 to 391 during that time. His XFIP is pretty much right in line with that 384. His FIP, for what it's worth, is 450. Uh, but we'll we'll keep using XFIP for now and say he's he's basically regressed to the point he should be. Now, he has, over the past couple of years outperformed those those uh, era estimators and and you know maybe maybe that'll happen again maybe it's just a a blip for him here but another pitcher who was probably pitching over his head at the start of the year he he doesn't have big strikeout ability he doesn't have he's not like some extreme ground ball guy he's just he's a good strike thrower and a good uh Guy who mixes his pitches well and 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 tends to be tends to be a pretty good starter because of that, but not not. I wouldn't go as far as to call Bassett high end.
0: Mm-hmm. He's a jack of all trades, master of none kind of guy. He throws all these different kind of pitches. Uh, I've talked him up as a buy high candidate at times this year because he's throwing his breaking pitches a little bit more, which has led to a higher strikeout rate for Chris Bassett. Uh, I think better days are coming. I mean, obviously, this is a pretty rough stretch for him. Uh, and the last one I'll mention here, Scott, Pablo Lopez. Kind of a mixed bag. It started off not great. He gave up an inside the park home run. I think it was first batter of the game against Kevin Kiermeyer. He gives up four runs on nine hits over seven innings. Pablo Lopez does. Still winds up with eight strikeouts in this game. 21 swinging strikes. So, you know, the overall line doesn't look great, but 21 swinging strikes, still
1: pretty awesome. Yes, it is. Yeah
0: and plus he's going to regress. I mean at some point it's he had a sub 2 ERA at this point. It's just Pablo Lopez is not going to pitch to that the entire season. So, of
1: course, even of after course.
0: this start his ERA is 2.04. You know, even if he pitches to, you know, a high 2s ERA or a low 3s ERA, something like that the rest of the season, which would be fine. It would still be great for where you drafted him and would be a top 25 starting pitcher. Uh, I think that is all fair with Pablo Lopez.
1: But contrasting it with Bassett 282 x fit, 284 FIP.
0: Oh yeah. Yep.
1: So, yeah, I, I think Pablo Lopez. I think I, I think I have him like 16th, 17th in my starting pitcher rankings. Rest of season, he's pretty close to an ace at this point. If you could guarantee me he could stay healthy for a full season, he's never made tw- more than 21 starts before in a yep. season, then uh, then I, I might I might push him into the top 12 if you could guarantee that.
0: All right, top 20 starting pitcher Pablo Lopez is ranked for each of us, Scott, Chris, and myself. He just has to stay on the field. We mentioned Dylan Cease got rocked by the Red Sox. They put up 16 runs on 18 hits. Trevor Story went two for five with his eighth home run, his sixth in the last five games for him. Rafael Devers went two for five with his 10th home run, seven of those coming in May. J.D. Martinez, three more hits. He's now batting three sixty one. And Franchi Cordero, kind of the... Unsung Red Sox player right now. Went two for three with two runs scored, two RBI. Scott, any interest in the deepest of leagues in Franchi Cordero? He started six of the last eight games for the Red Sox.
1: It would have to be a really deep league. He's kind of been a fantasy darling in the past because the quality of contact has been pretty good. But it's, it's going to take a lot, I think, for him to enter the, the standard mixed league discussion.
0: All right, let's move into oh my goodness gracious for me, Frankie Two Bombs. If you listened last year, you remember Frank Schwindel was nicknamed so famously by myself, Frankie Two Hits, because every night this guy multiple hits. He was awesome second half of the year with the Chicago Cubs. This year, kind of a rocky start. Got sent down. Some things happened. He was back up the next day. They needed an extra bat there in the lineup, and Frank Schwindel's been a lot better recently. Three more hits. On Tuesday, including those two home runs over his last thirteen games, he's batting two ninety-four with four home runs. He is forty eight percent rostered. Scott, what do you think of this recent stretch by Frank Swindell And would you be looking to re-add him if he was dropped in your leagues?
1: First base is probably the most difficult position to to break into in fantasy. Yeah. It's 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 like the one where there's enough to go around. And it's the only one where Schwindel is eligible. And no matter how well he hits, you know he's not going to walk much. I, I I think it's just a hot streak. Obviously, he was hot for two months to end last season. So it's it's worth keeping an eye on. But I'm, I'm not especially motivated to add him right now.
0: Okay, would you... I It always surprises me how rostered Jesus Aguilar is. It might be something just in the CBS projections, but he's 77% rostered. Would you make that swap in a a league with a corner infielder per let's say
1: i I think he's having a pretty strong may himself. I thought
0: he was, and then I saw last two weeks the stats weren't looking too good for him, recently. yeah maybe
1: maybe he's cooled off again, yeah, so he is a he's a, he's batting over three hundred in May with four home runs, okay. so that's pretty solid uh, at least entering today's game. So you could argue. Oh, he doesn't have a single walk this month, though. That's that's weird. He had Aguilar had fourteen walks in April. He has zero in May. That's weird. Anyway, um, that like that's I, I probably would just stick with Aguilar, but they, you know, if you wanted to swap him out for Schwindel, I mean, it's it's kind of six of one, half a dozen of the other for me.
0: All right, so Frank Schwindel not a must add yet, but we saw him get hot last year. Let's see if he can keep it going here couple other double dongs from Tuesday night. Glaber Torres, now up to seven home runs. Mookie Betts is just absolutely on fire. He went three for four, two more homers for him. He's now up to 12 home runs total. And in the month of May, Mookie Betts is batting 345, nine homers with an 1161 OPS. He's just been outstanding. Danny Jansen hit two home runs himself. He's now batting 310. He started four of the last six games with... Alejandro Kirk sliding over to the DH role for the Blue Jays, and Jansen's kind of interesting right now, Scott. He lowered his strikeout rate tremendously this year. It's now below 13%. He's hitting a lot of fly balls, so it seems like making a concerted effort to try and hit for power. 23% rostered. I I think this is someone that you can add in 12-team, two-catcher leagues. Are you interested in doing that with Danny Jansen?
1: Sure, but there's a catcher who's 24% rostered, so one percentage point more than Jansen, who I'm much, 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 much more interested in adding. Should I name him, or are we going to bring him up later? Do it. Do it now. William Contreras. William Contreras, brother of Wilson Contreras, is has been a very good hitter this year. As a part-time player, a backup, basically... He, has, he already has six home runs. His exit velocity is off the charts. He has good plate discipline, uh, at least in the small sam- over the small sample. He's had good plate discipline. And all of a sudden, the Braves have decided he needs to be an everyday player. They started him at le- in left field on Monday and batted him second. They started him at DH. Tuesday and batted him second. He got the walk-off hit. So, and I think he had a couple hits on Monday too. So like he's, he is uh, capitalizing on the opportunity so far. And if he, I mean, anytime you you have a catcher eligible player who's playing in those other spots and has a chance to, to play more often than a true catcher, like that, that immediately uh, moves him, moves him way up the rankings in fantasy. But I, William Contreras might be a good hitter on top of it. Like I, I don't think it's a stretch. I mean, given, given, the, given the lack of impact players at the position, I don't think it's a stretch to say he he, he has top five upside. Mm. I, I'm not saying he's a top five catcher yet, but I would not be opposed to adding him in a one catcher league, much less a two catcher league. And he's only 24% rostered, as I said.
0: Mm, all right, so potentially in a one-catcher league, let me throw a few names your so, way.
1: I, I would. It took me a while to open his StatCast page, but his, for as much as we can trust the expected stats on StatCast, his XBA so far is 319. His X slug is 831. That's insane. Yeah.
0: His barrel rate entering Tuesday was 22%. He does put the ball on the ground quite a bit, 48% ground ball rate. But I guess when he's putting it in the air, he's absolutely crushing the ball in the air. That is William Contreras, widely available, less than 25% rostered. Uh, Scott, would you rather have Contreras or MJ Melendez right now?
1: So I like both a lot. Melendez just hit his third home run on Tuesday, and I think he's done well enough replacing Salvador Perez. Salvador Perez has started taking some, uh, some hacks, so I think he's not far from returning. But I think Melendez has performed well enough in his absence that the two of them should, should both continue to play basically every day, splitting time between catcher and DH. So I, I, I think I, I think you could say Melendez has top five potential at the position too. Uh, so I would, I think I would slightly prefer Contreras. I, I think he has. I think there's less opportunity for. That was a weird way of phrasing it. I think he is more likely to continue playing every day than even Melendez is, but I have hope that both do.
0: Okay, last question on the catchers. Would you be okay dropping Joey Bart, someone who came in with some expectations? You would drop him for Melendez, yes. William Contreras, yes. Would you also drop him for Danny Jansen?
1: I'll mention Danny Jansen was three for 17 coming off the IL before this two-homer game. And obviously his track record is pretty miserable. Though he, at one point in time, was the exciting young guy that we were all excited about. So uh, probably on equal footing with Bart. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know that I'd be ready to make that swap. But it's like, Bart seems completely disposable at this point. So whatever. I don't have much faith in Danny Jansen, but I don't have any faith in Joey Bart either.
0: As somebody who has Joey Bart in a... 15 team 2 catcher roto league I've been <laughs> trying to get rid of him I, there's just no catchers available Tanny Jansen right. is gone I almost dropped him for Tucker Barnhart this past is week. Is Contreras
1: That's, there? Oh, here's another one. I don't think he is. I don't know his first name though. Um I mean like he's a he's a 28-year-old rookie Brian Serven. I just saw him in
0: your rankings, Scott, and I said to myself, "Who is that?" <laughs> I don't know 27 who that year is.
1: 27-year-old rookie. Sorry, I was I was making him older than he is. Uh, Rockies catcher, who got called up recently and seems to be splitting at-bats 50-50 with Elias Diaz, who has been disappointing. Hmm. And uh, it's a guy who's hit for good power in the minors. He had 16 homers in 73 games at AAA last year, five homers in 23 games there this year. And uh, obviously benefits from playing at Coors Field. So, you know, if he played for any other team, I don't know that I'd be that excited about him, but he he, he plays for the the one most likely to to give him a, uh, a gentle landing in the majors. And he seems to be getting opportunities. So he's much lower than William Contreras and MJ Melendez in terms of my interest in him. But it doesn't take much. <laughs> it doesn't take... Uh, much for us to get excited about, you know, for for a catcher to potentially be useful in fantasy. Mm -hmm.
0: And for those listening... And, and you're wondering, do people actually play in two-catcher leagues? Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, we do. The traditional Roto uh, lineup has two starting catchers, so it's tough, and sometimes you're chasing that position, so that's why we talk about these guys. Jock Peterson is the last one who had a double-dong here on Tuesday. He's cooled down quite a bit. He's 46% rostered. Anything there, Scott? Jock Peterson?
1: Cooled down quite a bit. He had he was batting 089 in 17 games. Ugh since he returned to the lineup after missing a little bit of time. And, uh, yeah, brought his numbers basically back to where we expected them to be for Jock Peterson, and I think he's still the same player. Enough power that he's going to have these kinds of games from time to time, but not an everyday player, and uh, I don't think reliable enough that most most fantasy leagues he'll, he'll be of much use.
0: All right, let's fire up. The dropo meter for these three starting pitchers. Josiah Gray gives up seven earned runs, including three home runs over three innings pitched. The ERA is now up to 5.44. He was going up against the Dodgers, which is just an absolute juggernaut all season long, but especially right now. Josiah Gray is still 79% rostered. Scott, where is he on the dropo meter? 10. You could drop him in any size league, zero or one. You really want to hold on to this guy.
1: Hmm, probably eight. Probably eight. I mean, he, he goes out and has another good start. We'll, we'll probably be talking him up as a pickup, too, because there's there's a lot of strikeout potential there for Josiah Gray. But, yeah, I mean, he, he just... How many home runs is this lately for him? It's it's uh, nine in his past four games, and he was having the same problem last year, too. Brutal. Yeah,
0: yeah. I've mentioned it before. Just his combination of walks and fly balls is just so deadly as not just a fantasy pitcher a real life pitcher too it's just it's a recipe for disaster and you know guys like Justin Verlander Max Scherzer they made a career of being flyball pitchers but they don't really walk anybody and they get a ton of strikeouts so i mean obviously i'm talking about two of the best pitchers in, that we've seen ever basically but yeah i mean Josiah Gray if if he wants to If he's going to pitch this way and allow this many fly balls, he has to find a way to keep the walks down, and he just has not been able to do that so far. Let's talk about Tyler Malley, who was crushed at home. Surprise. The guy just cannot pitch in Cincinnati against the Cubs. He gives up eight runs on nine hits, three walks, over four innings pitched. He still did have 13 swinging strikes. Was coming off three good starts in a row, but I'll point out those were against the Pirates twice and Cleveland, which has cooled down quite a bit as well. So the ERA is up to 632 uh, Tyler Malley still 84% rostered. Scott, where is he on the dropometer?
1: Mm, eight as well. Mm. I, think, I think if there's a, a starting pitcher who has your attention on the waiver wire, I would not hesitate to drop either of these two for him. You now, maybe Aaron Ashby, who is set to replace... Freddy Peralta and the Brewers' rotation and, and make his his first start in that role on Wednesday.
0: I think that's fair. I'll ask you about one of those most added starting pitchers in just a second, but the last one I wanted to mention was George Kirby. And a mixed bag here because he's up against Oakland. It's a good matchup, but he goes out there, goes five innings, gives up eight hits, four runs, zero walks, you like to see that. Nine strikeouts, you love to see that but the overall line here is kind of a mixed bag, Scotty. 75% rostered, three subpar outings in a row. What do you think about George Kirby?
1: Yeah, and a combined four strikeouts in the previous two starts. And again, you know, the 13 whiffs that Kirby got in this one, 10 were on the fastball. So the slider that got a, a lot of uh, a lot of hype when he was dominating in the minors, it just it's not it doesn't seem to be translating in the majors. So I am I have doubts about George Kirby. I'm not totally sold on him being ready to be an impact pitcher in fantasy. Not that I'd be looking to sell him in a dynasty league or anything. So yeah, drop a meter uh probably probably like a five okay maybe four. I'd rather not do it because there is so much upside there, and he hasn't been you know he it's been a mixed bag, as you've said, but at the same time it it uh You know, I'm I'm not totally sold on him being a fixture for me.
0: He made a pretty big leap too. He was in double A to start the season. He made five starts there, completely skips triple A, jumps up here to the majors. First start was awesome. Next three, not so much there with George Kirby.
1: Scott, would you I'll say four. I'll say four.
0: Okay. Would you be okay dropping any, all of these for Ronzi Contreras, who made his return to the rotation for the Pirates and a pretty successful one. Five shutout innings, three hits, two walks. He had five strikeouts in this one. Averaged nearly 97 miles per hour on the fastball. And I love first pitch strikes to 16 of 20 batters faced. That is awesome to see. Mm. Would you be okay dropping all of those names for Ronzi Contreras? Ronzi Contreras, excuse me.
1: Yeah, and he didn't have walk issues in the minors last year for what it's worth. So I I don't know that that's, that's something we have to worry about with him. I I think it's mostly just durability and supporting cast. Ruanzi Contreras, he has the, the great three pitch arsenal, big spin rate on the fastball slider and curveball. So I'm pretty excited about him. I, I wouldn't drop Kirby for him, but I would be willing to drop Josiah Gray or Tyler Malley for him.
0: Same question with the aforementioned Aaron Ashby.
1: Yeah, I prefer Ashby to, to Contreras, even. Okay. Uh, I Again, I wouldn't. Would I drop Kirby for him? No, I don't think i drop Kirby for him, but the other two are fine.
0: All right, let's take a quick break. But first, if you're listening to us on Spotify, please leave us a five-star rating there. They introduced this six months, a year ago, something like that. New rating system over on Spotify, so we really do appreciate it. Drop five stars there, and we will take that break. Be back right after this. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on homes.com. As somebody who's been through this, I can tell you these features are so, so incredibly valuable. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools and their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. Also, Homes.com collaboration tools makes it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com, we've done your homework. The news and notes, Jacob deGrom could begin mound work this weekend, and a late June return is possible. I'm optimistic, Scott, but this all seems a little sudden for Jacob deGrom. Right after Max Scherzer gets hurt, it just... Mm. I don't want to just like feel cursed because it's like a Mets thing, but it kind of feels like a Mets thing right now. I don't know why.
1: Maybe I'm being unfair. I don't know that it's a Mets thing specifically. It just
0: seems like they try to rush guys back from injuries at times. I, I don't know.
1: Yeah. I I would say that just because of the nature of the injury, the possibility of a setback seems pretty high. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't count your chickens before they hatch here. But it is it is an exciting report that Degrom could be back before the you know within a month's time. It sounds like
0: I saw a video of him throwing on the field as well on Tuesday. So you like to see that. I think it was like between ninety and a hundred feet there for Jacob Degrom. I have an update on this Mets Giants game, which is absolutely bonkers right now because the Giants were up huge. The Mets came all the way back. They scored. Mm. I think it was. Seven runs in the eighth. Nine unanswered runs for the Mets. They took an 11-8 lead. Jock Peterson just goes triple dong and hits a three-run shot to tie the game in the eighth inning. So that game is absolutely wild right now. Anything else that happens, we'll keep you updated on that. Fernando Tatis Jr. has yet to be cleared to swing a bat. He underwent another bone scan on Monday on his left wrist, and it did not show the level of healing that the Padres were hoping to see. So... Some great news on a former first-round pick, some not-so-great news on another former first-round pick. Luis Robert was placed on the COVID IL Tuesday and will likely miss the rest of the week. He's dealing with mild symptoms there. Aroldis Chapman was officially placed on the IL with left Achilles tendonitis. Clay Holmes is 74% rostered, could be out there in some shallower leagues. Scott, do you think Holmes should be closer to 100% rostered?
1: To the extent you could say that about a reliever, yeah. I oh, look, he's been better than a role to Chapman this year. Oh, yeah. The, the fact that they're not totally committing to putting Chapman on the IL yet, though it sounds pretty likely, leads me to believe it's going to be a short term absence. They but did, it's also the kind of
0: they did put him on the IL scan. Oh, they
1: officially happened. Okay. Yeah. Leads me to believe it's going to be a short-term absence, but it's also the kind of injury that uh, has a really unclear timetable. Tendinitis, you know, in yeah. the Achilles. So, yeah, I mean, Holmes. Holmes already has four saves, just filling in for for Chapman. He Is an ERA below one this year? I think during his something cl- something close to fifty innings with the Yankees now, and his ERA is in the low ones. So. He should be a really good closer for however long he has it, which maybe it'll be longer than just a couple of weeks. Yeah.
0: See. And Chapman has just kind of been shaky all season. So if Clay Holmes steps in and he just lights out like he has been,
1: maybe he just sticks with the job rest of season. Uh, uh, maybe. I, I, I don't think we can rule it out, but like a role this Chapman is historic closer. Like, he, historically dominant closer. He's been doing it for a decade, so... It's true. But
0: he's in the final year of his contract. I don't know how invested the Yankees are in him anymore at this point, so... There was already talk that they were going to demote him even before this injury on the tabloids here in New York, Scott. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. No, they uh,
1: never jump the gun?
0: No, they would never. <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> I would be surprised if, if Holmes just replaced him outright, but I, I don't think it's impossible.
0: All right, let's stick with the Yankees. Giancarlo Stanton left Tuesday's game with right calf tightness, which is just the last thing you want to see with uh, someone like Stanton. Eloy Jimenez could begin a rehab assignment within the next week. He's been on the IL for the past month with a torn right hamstring. Lance Lynn threw live batting practice Tuesday. He's eligible to return June 6th, but his return will likely come later in June. Chris Bryant has now missed two straight with that back injury, and the expectation is that he will once again, land on the IL. Salvador Perez did some cage work on Tuesday and is trending in the right direction. He's on the IL with a left thumb sprain. Josh Donaldson is still battling flu-like symptoms, but he has tested negative for COVID. Michael Kopech won't start this week as the White Sox look to give him some extra rest. And this is really frustrating, Scott, because we didn't get any indication beforehand and people's lineup's probably locked and now they got Kopek in there and he's not gonna start, it's... It's just a frustrating situation all
1: around. Yeah, I was worried about that with only five games on the schedule, but I figured there was enough rest built in there that they'd want to just have Kopeck start. So the one league where I have him, I started him. And it's a, points, uh, it's a head-to-head league, so that makes it even worse. <sighs> but yeah, not, not much you can do about it now.
0: Taylor Ward has missed three straight with that shoulder injury he suffered after crashing into the outfield wall on Friday. His MRI came back clean, uh, though he hasn't been cleared to throw and cannot yet play the field. Hunter Renfro was placed on the I.L. with a strained right hamstring. Tyrone Taylor will likely step into more playing time. I believe he hit a three-run homer on Tuesday night. He is just 2% rostered. Scott, any interest in Tyrone Taylor in deeper leagues?
1: Yeah, deeper leagues, those... 15 team 5 outfielder leagues there are there's some amount of power and speed there that may not play as well in our current environment but you know how how often are usable outfielders emerging in those formats? I can tell you, not very.
0: <laughs> Tyrone Taylor was batting cleanup on Tuesday, so they're just throwing him right into the fire there. Jesus Lozardo has yet to, throw, uh, to start a throwing program. He's on the I.L. with that strained left forearm. Eddie Rosario, who underwent eye surgery in April, has yet to regain complete sight in his right eye, which has prevented him from taking part in baseball activities. Daniel Vogelbach was placed on the I.L. with a strained left hamstring and... As a result, not a big name prospect or anything, but he is a prospect. Pirates outfielder Cal Mitchell was promoted on Tuesday. He was batting 306 with five homers and six deals in 34 AAA games this season. He's a former second round pick. Other minor league numbers are quite mediocre. Uh Scott, anything here with Cal Mitchell?
1: Maybe. But I'm not, uh, you know, it's not a rush out and add him situation. It's not Alec Thomas. It's it's uh it's a lower end prospect than that. So we'll see how it goes.
0: Yeah. I'll tell you what, 15 team five outfield the leagues. You probably got Cal Mitchell on your radar. DJ LeMay. was scratched Tuesday due to left wrist discomfort. Uh, Jonathan India is approximately 10 to 14 days away from heading out on a minor league rehab assignment. He is on the aisle with a right hamstring injury. Let's make some waiver decisions, Scott. Well, you already answered some of these because I had the catchers on here. If you need a middle infielder, which two of these do you like more? Luis Arise with four straight multi-hit games. He's now batting 354. Tommy Lastella has come back for the Giants, and he's playing pretty well. Two hits on Tuesday. He hit his second home run, three RBI. Guess there's a chance he, he can add more because this game is crazy. Uh, he is batting over 300 so far. Um, who do you like more, Scott? Arise or Tommy Lastella as a middle infielder?
1: I like Arise more. He has, in addition to being maybe one of the safest bets for a 300 batting average in, in all of baseball, he's he's also walking a lot more this year. So his on-base percentage is just off the charts. Neither one of them is going to play much against lefties. But I think Arise, it's, he's a safer bet to, to be of some value when he does play.
0: All right. Well, let's talk about a bunch of pitchers. There was a lot of interesting pitcher performances on Tuesday. And these are, I would call all of these fringe starting pitchers. And they were pretty good. Sonny Gray. Posted his first double-digit strikeout effort since April of last season. He goes seven shutout, ten strikeouts to just one walk. He had 13 swinging strikes. The ERA is now down to 2.60 for Sonny Gray. Noah Syndergaard with a great bounce-back effort against the Rangers. Eight innings, one run, five strikeouts to zero walks. Uh, We know the strikeouts have been down this year, but the control has been really good for Syndergaard, and he's getting a lot of ground balls, a 50% Ground ball, right, for Noah Syndergaard. The last one here, Marcus Stroman, solid start. Five innings, two runs, eight strikeouts, but has now allowed two earned runs or fewer in four straight games. And the XFIP is 3.16 for Stroman, much lower than his actual ERA. Scott, what do you have here on Sonny Gray, Noah Syndergaard, Marcus
1: Stroman? So Sonny Gray might be... You know he's 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 had so many ups and downs in his career. This might be the good version of Sonny Gray that we're seeing this year. We need more information, obviously. This was only his second start. Uh, that's even five innings or more. Uh, he's he's needed some time to stretch out. But the ground ball rate is good, as it often is for him. K per nine is good. Swinging strike rate is down from where we're used to seeing it. But he, look, he's getting strikeouts anyway and uh, the ERA estimators all look good for him. His, his ex I believe, is in the 290s. So more information is needed, but if Sonny Gray is available in your league, this start might be the reason to change that. I'm skeptical of Cindergaard still. His xFIP is 380. His xERA era is over 4. So the quality of contact is not very good and he's allowing a lot more contact than we've ever seen him allow. So I'm not really sure how he's, he's managed to to pull this off so far. I actually dropped him last week in the podcast league, 12 team head to head points one, which kind of regret now dropped him instead of Corey Kluber. I'd rather have Sindergaard than Kluber, but I, I do think he remains a sell high remains somebody who, you know, his last start was pretty bad and I, I thought maybe he was beginning to fall off, but then he bounced back with this start. Still, I'm skeptical.
0: Who would you rather have between the two, Sonny Gray or Noah Syndergaard? Sonny Gray. I think so too. Let's move on to pitcher studs who were in action on Tuesday. Walker Bueller posted his third quality start of the season. He gave up three runs over six innings, only had three strikeouts. The ERA is 2.91 for Walker Bueller. Shane McClanahan. What stats got? Here comes the money. Here we go. Here we
1: go. Here comes the money.
0: Six shutout innings, nine more strikeouts for Shane O. Mack. 14 swinging strikes. He now has seven plus strikeouts in eight of nine starts. Lowers the ERA to 2.06. Max Fried posted his sixth quality start of the season. Kevin Gosman. Ho hum. Just another quality, uh, another scoreless outing, rather where he has eight strikeouts, twenty-three swinging strikes. He's awesome. Corbin Burns, his seventh quality start of the season. Six innings, one run, five strikeouts. Anything you'd like to add on Bueller, McClanahan, Freed, Gosman, Burns?
1: No. Well, okay. Let's let's talk about Walker Bueller a little bit because his strikeout numbers have been. Disappointing to say the least. Seven point two K per nine now after these three strikeouts and six innings, and this was only his third quality start. There was a complete game shutout in there, uh, and, and you know the ERA is fine, but there have been a lot of like five and two thirds innings, five innings, and, and then the strikeout issue. Two two potential red flags there. I will note, however, that for the lack of strikeouts. He did enter Tuesday's game with a career-best swinging strike rate, and I trust that to lead to strikeouts, more strikeouts if it continues. So I don't know that there's. I, I want to say I'm worried about Walker Bueller. I, I mean, he, he was already uh, for relative to other high-end pitchers, a uh, kind of a liability in the strikeouts department. He's become even more so so far, but. He's always been that guy. He's often been that guy where I've looked at what he was doing and thought, okay, something's wrong here. He's about to fall apart. And then it doesn't happen. He just gets better. I'm not in a place to doubt him anymore, I don't think, especially because I got that swinging strike rate that I can cling to. I think he'll probably be okay.
0: All right. I know that I am the... Shane McClanahan advocate here on this podcast, but Scott, can't we make the argument that he should be ranked as a top 10 or top 12 starting pitcher at this point?
1: Not that he's far Yeah, off. you can make the argument. Yeah. I think the guys at Pitcher List have done that. At least Nick Pollock has. I'm not ready to put him there because I don't know that he's going to be able to sustain this workload all season. And obviously all the top 10 guys don't have any workload questions. I mean, Maybe Corbin Burns does, but not to the extent McClanahan does. So. Yeah, I mean, just in terms of ratios and stuff, I think McClanahan is in in the mix. He's been among the the exciting sophomore pitchers. A group that included, like, Alec Manoa and Trevor Rogers was one we were ranking in that same range at the start of the year. McClanahan's clearly been the best. And Rogers has clearly been the worst.
0: Yeah. Shout out to Alec Manoa, by the way. I know he's kind of in that mix, but he's absolutely been fantastic this year as well. Not you know, as good ratio strikeout wise as McClanahan, but man, he is, mm-hmm. he's right there. He's a, yeah,
1: I mean, really the only miss has been Rogers. True. Yeah. Which was the one. Remember we, we each had the one we were skeptical of. Rogers was my pick. That's true. Yeah. It's going to point that out.
0: As somebody who has him in the Scott White Dynasty League, uh I would be lying if I said I wasn't a little worried about Trevor Rogers <laughs> at this point, but yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll see where it goes from here. These four pitchers had, quite literally, quality starts. That's it. These are quality outings from these four. Jordan Montgomery turns in his third of the season. Six innings, two runs, five strikeouts. It's very weird. He's got a 3.30 ERA. Pitches for the Yankees. He doesn't have a single win to show for it for Jordan Montgomery this season. Kyle Gibson, another solid start. I lied. He did not have a quality start. He only went five innings. But put him in this mix anyway because... I wasn't paying attention. Five innings, two runs, eight strikeouts for him. 15 swinging strikes, though. You like that for Kyle Gibson. Nick Pavetta, four quality starts in a row. This one was at the White Sox. And then Framber Valdez makes it three seven-inning quality starts in a row for him. Uh, His first start without a walk this season. Framber Valdez, Nick Pavetta, Kyle Gibson, Jordan Montgomery. Anything you'd like to add on this quartet?
1: I forgot to see if Fromber Valdez had the demon sinker again. Oh, yeah, peaking at 97. The demon sinker was back. That's, that's fun. Uh, yeah, I mean, Jordan Montgomery, the reason he doesn't have a win for the Yankees beyond just bad luck, I mean, I'm sure there's some bad luck in there, but this, this was technically just his third quality start despite that 330 ERA. He, just, he doesn't go six innings that often, and the same has been true for Kyle Gibson this year. Pavetta, Pavetta had in that complete game gem against the Astros last time. Pavetta had 19 swinging strikes. More typical this time against the White Sox, five swinging strikes. And I think he's, I think he's a little better than Fringy. Like I, you picked him up for two starts this week. I don't know that he's going to be an automatic drop after that, but he's, I don't think he has a, especially high-end outcome either.
0: All right, fair enough. That is Nick Pavetta. Anything else I wanted to add on these four? No, I did see on the Yankees broadcast, the bullpen has blown three wins for Jordan Montgomery, so that's the most in the majors, and obviously that contributes to him not having a win to this point as well. Some hitting leftovers from Tuesday. Two more extra base hits for Jose Ramirez. The guy can't steal bases. Because all he does is get extra base hits. He smacked his 11th home run. He added a double. Nelson Cruz is coming around his last 15 games. He's batting .339 with two home runs, 11 RBI. Cabert Ruiz, two more hits for him. He's having a strong May. Just doesn't have much power to show for it. .333 batting average in the month of May. One homer, six doubles, two steals. Kind of a nice surprise there for Cabert Ruiz. Uh, Scott, it's really weird how this happens. We talk about a player or players that we're worried about, and then it seems like the very next day something happens with those players. So Vladimir Guerrero Jr. goes out and hits a home run. We talked about him yesterday. First since what, May 5th? Yes. Matt, Matt Olsen goes out, hits his fifth home run of the season. And then yeah. Al- Austin Riley two hits. Ozzy Albies, three hits. So uh-huh. is is there I, any is there any hitters that you want to talk about, Scott? That are struggling in your on your teams that Maybe we can get going here?
1: I mean, we we were pretty (laughs) confident in Vladimir Guerrero bouncing back. Oh, on my teams? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, there are a lot of players. I mean... You have any Marcus Simeon out there? Maybe we should... I I do have one Marcus Simeon. That's the first name that came to mind. because he He's (laughs) just been useless. And look, he was a bust pick for all of us coming into the year, so... I guess I can be happy about that, but I do have that one share of him that I just, I'd rather him be performing well. Uh, yeah, Marcus Simeon is one. Gosh, so many players are underachieving.
0: Kyle Schwarber Anything. is an interesting case because he's batting under 200, but if you look at his season long line, everything else is great. He's got 10 homers, he's mm-hmm. got a couple of steals, the runs, the RBI, they're all there for Schwarber. Just a batting average. I mean,
1: relative to the league as a whole, I don't know that Schwarper's struggling that much. Yeah, that's fair. Pretty high in the outfield rankings, you know, performance to date. Mm -hmm. Brian Reynolds. Brian Reynolds is a guy I'm pretty heavily invested in.
0: Yeah, that's a rough one.
1: Could stand for him to turn things around. All right. Not super confident he will, but not as worried as I am about Simeon either.
0: All right. So if you guys are listening, Marcus Simeon, Brian Reynolds... Come on, man. We have, we have some faith. Let's get it back on track. Julio Rodriguez went one for three with his fifth home run. He is now up to 275 with the batting average. Those five homers, 12 steals. Scott, we will not reveal any of your first two rounds. We're going to do a podcast that will come out this weekend. We'll talk about it then. But was Julio Rodriguez in consideration? I've just got to ask for the top two rounds.
1: I, you're giving me a crazy look. Scott, come he's on. been awesome. He's been awesome. I mean, yes, he's had a good month. His ex-slug for the year is below 400 still. Uh, Ah, who cares about StatCast, right? (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, look, I I think he's trending the right direction. I I think he's a must-start outfielder. I think I just moved him into my top 30 at the position, maybe top 25 even. So... Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty happy with the way things are going for Julio Rodriguez, but I'm not ready to call him the top 24 player now. Right. No. Fair not, enough. Not, not even in consideration for that.
0: All right. The call to the bullpen. Some bullpen updates for the Pirates. Chris Stratton entered in the eighth inning with runners on first and third in a one-run game. He gave up game-tying hit. David Bednar gave up an unearned run in extra innings, and he took the loss. For Tampa Bay, Ryan Thompson pitched in the ninth inning of a four-run game And that's now the second game in a row where Thompson has pitched in the ninth. He was in for the save on Sunday. So, Scott, what do you think? Because Ryan Thompson doesn't have numbers as good as Jason Adam or Brooks Raley. He's kind of like this weird sidearm pitcher. I was watching that game. Do you think he's maybe the first up for saves here?
1: I don't think anybody is. (laughs) <laughs> you yeah, I mean Kitchridge out of there now. It, it could go to the next save could go to anybody, and the next save after that could go to anybody else.
0: All right, let's see what else do we have for the Twins. Yoan Duran gave up a hit but picked up his fourth save. Emilio Pagan pitched two innings last night for the Still, Twins.
1: I mean that's Duran's got the last two saves for the Twins, and Pagan was rested for that first save. You, you mentioned he pitched two innings on Monday, so he probably wasn't available Tuesday. But he was available on Sunday, at least as far as I can tell, looking at the game log. So, I don't know. Maybe, I mean, certainly, Johan Duran is the the more talented of the two. He may be the more rosterable of the two at this point, too. Mm -hmm.
0: I would say, in any type of categories league, where saves are one of the categories, both of Pagan and Duran need to be rostered, and... Until we see something different, I'm just going to keep trusting Scott that if nothing else, this is a 50-50 split and maybe even mm-hmm. slightly in favor of Emilio Pagan for now.
1: Yeah. Of, of course it can change. That's the safe bet, but the cream rises to the top, Frank. Ooh, the it may cream. may be rising. The
0: cream. You ever seen the promo, mm. Scott, of uh, Macho Man Randy Savage? You
1: know I haven't.
0: Oh, I will send it to you as soon as this podcast ends because Macho Man, spoiler alert, one of my favorite wrestlers of all time, and he just has this awesome promo where he's carrying around like the little, little creamers that you put in your coffee, mm. and he's just like putting them on people's head, and he's like, "The cream rises to the top." It's it's <laughs> awesome.
1: Pretty good minor league player too, actually. He wasn't. That's probably why I went to wrestling
0: <laughs> for the Braves. Well, Kenley Jansen was in for the save in a one-run game. Bryce Harper hits a two-run homer off of him, and then the Phillies' defense happened in the bottom of the ninth. It was. It was brutal, but Kenley Jansen winds up with the win, but he did blow the save in this game. A few others, Danny Jimenez picked up his ninth save. Rysel Iglesias got his 11th. Mark Melanson got his 10th. And Devin Williams, filling in for Josh Hader, picked up his third save of the season. To stream or not to stream, let's start with Wednesday. Zach Thompson versus the Rockies. Jake Junis versus the Mets. Aaron Ashby at the Padres. Christian Javier versus Cleveland. Reed Detmers versus the Rangers and Glenn Otto at the angels.
1: Javier versus Cleveland is my first start coming up or first choice coming off a brilliant start. And I'd also be fine with Aaron Ashby at San Diego had some struggles earlier this season with control, with velocity, but his last five innings have been perfect with nine strikeouts and the velocity's back. So hopefully this transition to the rotation, he'll be able to give you five strong and, uh, and never go back to the bullpen again.
0: All right, let's take a look at Thursday. Only three for now. MLB.com still has a bunch of TBDs. Justin Steele at the Reds. Daniel Lynch at the Twins. Michael Walker at the White Sox.
1: Well, none of those, no. Uh, well, Steele <laughs> might be okay. Steele's coming off two good strikeout efforts, and obviously yeah. that's a good matchup. I don't I don't think there's much to see there Like as a long-term pickup. But if you want to stream a guy, then it might go okay. Let me see if I can find any other names Thursday. Uh, Hunter Green against the Cubs.
0: He's 72% rostered, but yeah, if he's out there, I don't mind that matchup. Yeah, I think that's, you know.
1: If he's 72% rostered on our side, that means he's like 30% rostered on Yahoo. So That's fair. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. Who else? Uh, nobody who's that available or that interesting. Martin Perez against the Athletics, though I know he got picked up in a lot of our leagues mm-hmm. for the two-start week. Yeah. But I, I would say I prefer him even to Hunter Green.
0: All oh, righty. You know, Scott, our most efficient podcast of the year. Look at that. We're 55 minutes in. I mentioned I have some fantasy justice questions last week, so let's see if we could at least answer one of those here. See what we could do. Right. This one's from Matthew. In response to the rising cases of COVID, Blank and I decided to reinstate the two COVID IL spots we had in 2020 and 2021. We now have two IL spots for any injury or illness and two COVID-only IL spots. The two COVID spots can be for any COVID-related absence effective immediately. I'm not really against it as a concept, but changing the rules mid-season seems like a tough thing to do. This is not the first thing the commissioners have done with little input from the league, but this is the first time in season. Do we need to grow some thicker skin, or should I have a real beef with this?
1: I don't think you should have a real beef with this. This is, I, I think sometimes we can get a little too stuck on the can't change anything mid-season. Like if things are clearly going a wrong direction, that is uh, hurting the experience for everybody. And it's a change that's, particularly if it's a change that's not going to really advantage anybody. I mean, I guess it's possible oh, somebody has four guys on Dealing with COVID already, so I guess it'll unfairly advantage him. But it, it's not like you drafted certain players or picked up certain players uh, thinking they'd be able to avoid COVID. You know, it's, so I, I think I think it's fine. I, I don't think you should blow a gasket over this. Personally, mm-hmm. I think it's I, I think I think it's okay that they did this. I think it's going to improve the experience for everybody. I mean, frankly. I think it's a little crazy that they're designating COVID-specific IL spots because that sounds like a a chore to police. If you're a commissioner, I, I would I would just make them extra IL spots. But I would never complain about extra IL spots. Like I think I think more is is always a more uh, enjoyable way to play than less. Yeah,
0: I agree. I mean, I think if it was something more drastic in season. And, you know, you probably want to put it up for vote at least or talk to your league mates and see what's going on there. But this is really not that serious and sounds like something that would help everybody across the board. So I'm in favor of it, and I don't think you should worry too much about it, Matthew. This one's from Apple Podcast Review, and it's from Rich, Dear Chase, Ryan, and Jimmy.
1: Uh, oh, this this is the heart of the Phillies lineup back when they won the World Series in... 2008? 8? That sounds right. Because they won
0: the year before they faced the Yankees, right? And that was '09.
1: Chase Utley, Ryan Howard, and Jimmy Rollins.
0: Right. Uh, All right, so here's the question. As commissioned two leagues, I avoided disaster before both drafts by replacing managers that dropped a week before draft day. However, in past years, I have had to replace managers that either would not pay the fee or just decided to stop operating their team. I usually Hmm. get tipped off by another team that someone is not changing their lineup for weeks at a time. Funny enough, it always seems to be after the whistleblower plays that team. Hmm. Anyway, wanted to know what you think is the best way to address this issue. I usually try to give the manager a pep talk, but most times it just does not work. I've had emergency replacements, but they have never worked because the replacement manager is not invested. Is there a solution? Should I operate the team as commish? Let the team sink as is. In other leagues, when short a team, we've taken the league average as a weekly opponent to one team. Should I impose that midseason? Definitely do not like that last rule. And... Yeah, this is tough, Scott. I mean, I think the answer for me is just try to find people who are more invested, but I get it. Like, not everyone loves fantasy baseball the way that we love fantasy baseball. So
1: it's kind of tough. Yeah, I don't think I know. Well, never mind. I don't need to go there. But (laughs) I would say, I would say that Yes. If you try replacing a manager in season, particularly if there's no like dynasty keeper element there, there's just no way for that person to get invested in the team. And it's, it's probably more trouble than it's worth. I don't think anybody should ever be handed a truly free victory. So as a commissioner, you have to make sure the lineup is like legal. But beyond that, I don't, I don't think it's appropriate for you to to intervene in, in the roster. So it's it's going to be a bad team and they're going to lose a lot, but it won't be a free win. And you just try to pick somebody better next year. Yeah. Like I mean, if you can find a replacement in season, great. But I, I like I said, I, I don't think you're going to have much success with that. And it sounds like you've already experienced that.
0: Sounds like a perfect time to plug... Our fantasy baseball today Facebook groups got because there's people uh, mostly before the season starts looking for leagues, competitive leagues to join. So if you're having issues, in all honesty, I would say, you know, drop a a post in there and, you know, see if anyone wants to join the league or, you know, maybe there's uh, more competitive people there who want to help you out. And with that, we'll end the podcast and we'll end the night of baseball as the New York Mets took a one run lead going into the ninth inning. And what happened? Edwin Diaz gives up two runs and they take the loss. They lose 13 to 12. Just an absolutely crazy game there. If you have any other not fantasy-related questions, but just things going on in your league that you need to ask us about, Uh, you can send those questions in fantasy baseball at cbsi.com. Put fantasy justice or just justice in the subject title, and we'll get to those on a future podcast. For Scott, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching. Fantasy Baseball Today. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye.
1: Okay.